Welcome to The Contemplative Life. Three pastors, friends, and spiritual companions help us explore spirituality through a contemplative lens. I'm Christina Roberts. I'm Chris Roberts. I'm Christina Kaiser. We're glad you joined us. Well, hello. It is great to be with you. Today, we wanted to take a little bit of time to talk about spirituality in times of wilderness. And just to give a brief definition of what is wilderness, wilderness could be described as times of drought or dryness in our lives. And some forms that wilderness might come in would be suffering, breakdowns, emptiness, breakups, loss, trauma. And there's a quote from Richard Rohr that I'd like to give us as a basis of talking about wilderness. And the quote is this, the desert is a place of spiritual revolution, not of personal retreat. It is a place of inner protest, not outward peace. It is a place of deep encounter, not of superficial escape. It is a place of repentance, not recuperation. Living in the desert does not mean living without people. It means living for God. And so with that in mind, can we avoid going through the wilderness? What are your thoughts as we talk about spirituality in times of wilderness? I really like that quote from Richard Rohr. I think just on its own, if somebody asked me that question, can you avoid going through times of wilderness? I'd probably say, oh boy, I hope so. <laughs> I hope that because it sounds like it'll be horrible. But in Richard Rohr's quote, you're hearing, oh, it's spiritual revolution. It's inner protest. It's deep encounter. It's living for God. It's repentance. I think, oh, I could do that. I would not shy away from that experience, actually. And I think it is true, though, also when you talk about the forms that it comes in, that we do not get away from trauma in our lives. We don't get away from relationships lost and new ways that we're thinking about things or wondering if the way we were thinking about is the way we still want to think about it. And yeah, I don't think we do get away from it, even if at first glance we would say, oh, I don't want to experience anything bad in my life. I find it interesting that in major world religions, there's often these wilderness experiences where somebody has an encounter with God. So I was recently relooking at a scripture verse around Hagar, who is Ishmael's mother, was Abram and Sarah's servant who was pregnant. And it was in the wilderness where God met this woman and said, I'm the God who sees and hears, I believe is part of what that interchange was. And so this deep encounter, or there's the famous the Israelites in the desert or Jesus in the desert or whatnot. And so there seems to be something about that barren place where there's nothing there and there's some soul searching that goes on. There's not a lot to grasp onto, but also thinking just even like among the animal kingdom, recently we were passing by a camel and there's this like daycare center that has like different exotic animals. <laughs> and just thinking through the camel does survive that wilderness because there's this stored up water built into the camel's structure. And so I'm curious, do we have these times where there's this replenishment, this refreshing, the storing up of, of the water, if you will, that then prepares us for the wilderness? Or does the wilderness then propel us to go get the water? Like, I, I don't know, maybe it's a chicken egg thing, but I do think that it seems to be very significant that in all these different spiritual stories, there's a wilderness piece as part of that. 
Yes, I like that. I really appreciate what both of you are bringing up. And it seems as if, you know, a wilderness experience is a part of life in general. It's almost a necessary place that we go in our spirituality. In fact, I think not going there, not going to place of wilderness could be detrimental to our spiritual life. And we've recently had podcasts on spiritual bypassing and things like that. I think a lot of times, instead of going to a place of wilderness, a place of searching, of deepening encounter, we would want to gloss over the hard things that wilderness have to offer. And maybe a better question is, how do we go through the wilderness? How do we do it in a healthy way? That might be a great question to ponder. Yeah, I think that's a super helpful question. I, both questions, honestly. Like, is the water already there or do I have to go get the water? Or is it different from one trip into the wilderness to another? What a great, thoughtful question. I think of different areas, different moments in my life where I felt like, oh, I need a minute. I need to take a step back. And sometimes there is that relying on certain truths while I work something else out over here. And at other times, there's so much question, right? You're rethinking maybe a lot and you're searching for God in different ways. And then sometimes I don't know that this is specifically my story, but I've heard people who are like, I just don't feel like I'm even able to connect with God right now. And so what does that look like when we're in that space and we don't feel that spiritual connection that we're used to feeling. There's so many possible scenarios here. Building off of that, I think that is so true that when we're in those wilderness experiences, it seems like there is an absence of God's presence or what we have known to be God's presence, which was my question earlier around, we then, there's something deep within that I think we have to draw from to, to be in those wilderness experiences. And I'm just reminded of an experience I had in my early 20s. I had an opportunity to travel to the Sahara Desert. So I was on a prayer pilgrimage in Tunisia during Ramadan, learning about prayer. It was wonderful. And so we had taken a trek out to the Sahara Desert and spent the night in the desert. And I will tell you, the stars in the desert are amazing when you're going to sleep at night because there's not all of, there's not the garden and the lush and the trees. It is just plain desert and sky. And so again, going back to some of these spiritual stories I'm mentioning, there's some sort of a connection to sky, stars, hope, possibility. And so there's the immediate things of your season right now feels so dry and hopeless. But I wonder too, like when we go shared suffering and wilderness experiences, we're connected to a greater story. As a human being, we all experience loss. That's There's certain things that regardless of your culture, gender, faith, identity, all of that, there's certain experiences in life that we're all going to have. And I think these wilderness things that we're describing to me, when I experience those things on a spiritual level, and I'm reminded of some of those physical, again, wilderness, wild, wildness, that's very different than a tameness, or again, the barrenness of the desert that then highlights the beauty of the sky in new ways, et cetera, drawing, drawing from the reserves that we have, preparing for the desert, all of those sorts of things come to mind as I think about this. Yeah, I like the correlation that we're making that sometimes wilderness or you could change out the word wilderness for desert and even thinking about a biblical text of the word desert. And I was talking to someone recently about the text around go the desert and going to the desert. And one of the things that they were bringing up was the desert is a place 
where we get rid of our judgments, right? The desert is a place where we can maybe understand what it, it's to be thirsty, right? Where we have access, just unlimited access to water. We then, when we in a wilderness experience, we then can have compassion and empathy for those who thirst. And so talking about the desert as a place of getting rid of our judgments, getting rid of the things that keep us from seeing other people rightly. And so I think that's something that comes up as we interchange the word desert wilderness and what it can do. What, how do we go through the wilderness? What are some things that are arising in us that maybe we need to take a look at, a deeper look at? Yes. These are very helpful. I like to have those kind of frameworks for what we're looking at. And then I think of Jesus's trip into the desert. I think to Jesus, I guess what I'm interpreting is, oh, if I'm in the wilderness, probably there's some sort of growth going on in my life. I don't know if that's always the case because when Jesus goes out to the desert, is that growth? Or it seems almost more like maybe it was solidifying what is. This is, again different possibilities. Maybe sometimes I'm experiencing growth. Maybe sometimes I'm experiencing a deeper sense of knowing or a deeper sense of connection, perhaps. Yeah. And going back to that Richard Rohr quote, where it's a place of repentance, not recuperation. And again, that repentance of that recalibration, that turning back towards and being reminded of this is my true north. This is who I am on the inside. This is what I aim for, et cetera, in life. And I I think that's part of what I'm hearing in you, Christina, that there's a a returning back to that sense that we have in our lives. And I think too, just thinking through, and again, we're using, I don't know why I'm into like climate stuff today too, wilderness being the desert, but also the wild, like wilderness is also, it can be wild territory, right? Which is again, evokes a different kind of an image of, again, it's not this nice manicured, comfortable space to be in. There's a wildness where maybe there are particular animals and creatures that we're not used to or situations where we have to be a little bit more vigilant and on guard necessarily. And so again, but those aren't the nice, comfortable, lush by the streams of water and the green grasses and the prairies and those sorts of things. And so I do think it evokes different emotional responses in us that cause us to engage with our faith in different ways. Yeah, absolutely. Back to your question. I love that we're not thinking the desert, it's not an either or, can maybe serve spiritual deepenings in our life. And it doesn't have to look a certain way. I grew up in Texas and West Texas, and it is actually a desert out there. And a very common saying is, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. And that's, that's very true. In, in time, when we go through difficult times in our life, things that are challenging does bring up, it does strengthen, right? It brings fortitude. And I've been quoting the little prince nonstop. It's just, It's a book that has so many treasures and it makes me think of a quote and I'll read the quote. It says, what makes the desert beautiful, said the little prince, is that somewhere it hides a well. And then it goes on to say, but the conceited man did not hear him. Conceited people never hear anything but praise. And then it's only with the heart that one can see clearly. And so I think pride or whatever that comes up in our life. Sometimes those deserts are the places where we can be confronted with our limitations, our mortality, our judgments. So again, I think whenever going back to that quote, I think deserts are necessary for spiritual deepening in our lives. 
I love that there's a hidden well and this is how it is, right? And I think in my own life, I'm very thankful, I have to say, for spiritual practices that could take me through. I don't feel like, for instance, going back to that Jesus story that we have a strong sense of, what did he do during that time? There are moments where just a blank piece of paper and some colored pencils would be incredibly therapeutic for helping me to go deeper. I guess in a way like we're talking about to find the what is enlightenment as one would say <laughs> in this circumstance, like where is the voice of God? What is to be done with these feelings, these questions, whatever it is, because it's different times that we have these experiences. And so, yeah, I think people helping me learn how to name if I'm having a feeling in that moment so helpful. <laughs> and then being able to live in that feeling, because sometimes I think it's the struggle. I don't want to feel that way. And so can I just fast forward out of this space to not feel this way anymore? And if not, what can I do to cope with the fact that I'm having this thought or this feeling? How do I live with that for as long as it's going to take? And to your point earlier, Chris, too, I think without the suffering, we don't know the joy. Without the desert, we don't know the lush streams. And so you have to have that contrast in life, I think, at least in this life, to be able to experience the other side of it. I think that's just part of it. It's part of the human experience. Yeah. And I think maybe one last thing to offer up is I think this the imagery around wilderness or desert is imagery of isolation, right? Like we we are in this vast openness and there is some component of loneliness. There's some component of being alone with God or the divine. And it seems as if in that experience, there's a discovery of God not being limited. And I think that also might be a necessary part of entering into a wilderness type experience, this isolation, but discovering God is not limited. And I think even drawing back to my representation earlier that I was saying about being in the Sahara Desert. And again, I do think that is often the picture of you're alone in the desert, but not necessarily. I think there's, again, going back to the Israelites, it was a whole community walking through the desert together. It wasn't just one isolated person. And so I think sometimes we can have that image in our mind, or if it is our own personal desert that we're walking through, recall too, being in the desert and not only are the stars brilliant, but the sunset in the desert and the sunrise are amazing, right? Because again, you just have this beautiful horizon to see this. And I remember thinking, wow, as I'm watching the sunset across the world where my family is right now, the sun is rising. And so again, there's this connectedness to, I am not alone. It is barren here, but it is different in other places as well. And somehow the sky communicating that. And I wonder if maybe you're reshaping that, yes, yeah, sometimes desert wilderness can be this solo journey, Jesus. But even I think, weren't there angels like strengthening him at some point? Or maybe that was after the fact. So there were like some spiritual being or spiritual presence with Jesus or community or maybe through the pieces of nature that because it's so sparse, they just spark even more in you going to that depth of the inner being. So I might push back a little bit on what you're saying, Chris, about the isolation, although I think that's a normal response that we have. And so both and, right? Because if we think of the desert fathers and mothers in the third and fourth century, they both, like they go away from something. There still is community, but sometimes the instruction is go to your cell. Like you, you'll learn everything there is to learn <laughs> right there. It's this very both and experience. It's not that there's no community, but maybe you're letting go of some aspects 
of things that bring a little more focus or clarity or time, whatever it is that is needed. Yeah, I can appreciate that, that it, it, maybe it could be a time of journey that there might be some aspects of loneliness, but there, there are also people there as well. I, we're drawing very richly on biblical texts today and even the Desert Fathers, Jesus being at the well by himself and there being this woman coming to the well. And I don't, for some reason, I picture that's pretty, it's a pretty arid, dry place. And it says it's, it's very hot and this woman coming to the well. And I think there's a reason why this woman goes to the well at, right at when the sun's at its zenith, because there's no one there. And it's a time of loneliness and isolation, but the richness of finding Jesus at the well and, you know, him talking about living water. And so, yeah, beautiful imagery that we've all been able to conjure today as it relates to spirituality in times of wilderness. I appreciate the conversation today. It has been invigorating. Now is the part of the podcast where we talk about what we are into. What are we into? I am into the Tinkerbell movies. And so this was a family favorite when our older two were young. And so we just recently revisited the Tinkerbell series on Disney Plus. And it's just so delightful and watching the little fairies create the seasons and all, I don't know. It's just a fun, delightful series. So I am into Tinkerbell. I am into, I have some friends who do photography for fun. Like they just go for a walk or they're headed to work or whatever. And they snap photos and then they put them up online for the rest of us to enjoy. And I really enjoy it. The beauty that they capture in some of the most ordinary things and then sometimes I aspire to be that way. And I think I can be if I really pay attention to it. But this is really their thing. Like it comes out and it efforts, it just, it flows and it effervesces and I get to be a beneficiary of it. And I am enjoying it to the full. By the time this podcast releases, we'll probably be into spring a little bit more than we are right now, but it is like right on the cusp of spring. And so I am into spring cleaning. I'm into trimming some bushes. I'm into getting the house ready and reset for a new year. I am into spring cleaning. Thank you for joining us. It was so good being with you. See you next time. If you enjoy listening to the podcast, we invite you to stay connected by signing up for our Foundry Spiritual Center newsletter, where you can learn about even more programs and offerings. You'll find a link to subscribe in the show notes or Visit us anytime at foundrysc.com. Thanks again for being with us. We hope you have a great week. Uh -huh.